Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. And I'm here with Steve. Hey guys, Steve here. You're supposed to say, and I'm here with Peter. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't finish the circle, man. You, everything is ruined. The circle of life. And we are here with our 150th episode. Not counting Woo-woo. little random episodes. <laughs> well, actually, that's going to be in our random trivia today. So hold on for that. Oh, well, I, I'm excited now. Is there a prize? Can I win something? You can win your pride. So, Steve, what are we doing for episode 150? <laughs> We're going to do a Gen Con recap because we just got done with a virtual Gen Con, which is the first time doing a virtual con for some of us, all of us. So, well, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that I did it, <laughs> but it happened and I was alive at the time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, with like work and not being physically there, it made it harder for me to stay engaged, right? Because that's the one nice thing about Gen Con is I can be away from the, my normal responsibilities and actually focus on it. So, yeah, I totally understand where that's coming from. When I think Peter and I and Jerry played games on Saturday, so I guess we were kind of playing for Gen Con. Because theoretically, at the real Gen Con, we would have been playing anyway. <laughs> that's right. All right, but before we get started, let's thank some Patreon supporters. Yeah, so we are thanking this week a few of our fabulous Patreon supporters, but thank you to all of you. We're going to focus today on Rafael Pabon, a co-op fan, Arnie Tommy Nilsson, a co-op MVP, and Brendan O'Neill, a co-op lover. So thank you to you three. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, We have some perks, if you haven't heard about them, uh, like seeing all our videos early and voting on which games we cover, playing on Tabletop Simulator with us, having a message read on the podcast. So yeah, lots of great stuff. And we really appreciate all your support, especially in these trying times. It really... uh, means a lot that you help us to kind of defray the cost of the podcast, purchase better equipment, buy games to cover, all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Well, this is a round number episode, episode number 150. So you know me, I always like to have random trivia on these episodes having to do with the podcast itself. So you guys ready for some uh, trivia today? Let's do it. I was born for this. All right, Mike, do you remember what day episode zero happened? Day of the week or like what date? What date about? Okay, I will say, let's see. So it's 2020, 150. So that's like three years. So I will say it was, uh, you know, give or take a week. Uh, I'll say it was September 15th, 2000. Uh, wait, that's not how dates work. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go July 15th, 2000. 17. Well, you got the year right. So good job. <laughs> and you were within a week of the day. So 15th plus or minus, it was the 21st, but it was in May, not in July. Okay. Oh, I was close. I was within two months. I feel good about that. No, that was good. Steve, do you remember when you and Colin joined the podcast? Do you know episode number or date? Either one. Oh, it's pretty early. I don't remember exactly what it was. I want to say it was like episode like 16 maybe and i'll say 22 ding 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 holy crap cow mike nice what? episode Wait, 22 yes. <laughs> wow that was totally a guess that's awesome <laughs> march 11 2018 so a uh, couple months short of our one-year anniversary uh steven collins joined it and uh all right so for both of you guys when do you think we changed our name? Because if you remember, we were originally Co-op Cast to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. Let's see, that was, we joined episode 22, and that was in May, you said? Yep. March. Oh, March. March. March 11. Yeah, March, sorry. 18. Yep. Uh, I want to say that's probably s- September the same year, about, I'm guessing. Do you want an actual date? You, any, any way you want to do it. Episode okay, number, uh, date. September 24th. Okay. I'm not going to guess this time. I don't want to steal Steve's thunder by being exact, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, what episode number? Let's let's go for an episode number there, Mike. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say, I feel like it was a pretty quick decision. So I'll say it was around, like, they had done, like, six episodes on their own that I feel like we kind of, like, spaced out. 
So I'll say episode 29. Episode 29. So right afterwards. So both of you guys are around September time frame and a couple episodes after. We are such quick decision makers. We waited an entire year before changing the name. It was episode 78 we announced it, which was over 50 episodes later. Are you uh, serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was March 25th, 2019 was the uh, first episode that we announced that we were going to do it. And the first episode that we actually did it was a Steve episode where we had the full trailer and everything. It was right after Unpub of that year. It was episode 79. Steve, that was yours. And you did not have Colin as a guest host. You actually had a special guest host on that one. So our first official episode was 79. Do you remember who your guest host was on that? Guest host? Was that Elijah or was it someone else? I'm going to say Elijah, but maybe I'm wrong. All right. Well, I'll give you a clue, and this should tip it over the edge. You did. You covered Marvel Legendary on that episode. My wife? It was. It was Kim joining you on our first official episode, episode 79 of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. And that was April 2nd, 2019. Wow. Cool. This is all blowing my mind that we've been doing this for like three years. And I was just looking at the YouTube channel, and somehow... <laughs> Because I've been on the YouTube channel a lot less time than I've been on the podcast. Somehow I've done, I think, over 125 reviews. So I'm getting close to 150 review videos. That seems wacky. <laughs> yeah, so Mike mentioned random episodes here. Do you guys want to take a gander at how many random episodes we have? So we say this is episode 150, but we actually had episode zero. So this is technically episode 151. And then we had a bunch of random mini episodes too. So any idea how many total tracks we have? including this episode here that we're about to do. So number, quote-unquote, 150. Uh, 162. Uh, 158? Both of you guys are close. If you had averaged it, we would have had it exactly. So 160. Uh, so we had 10 random episodes. Nice. Cool. All right, last bit of trivia. Steve, the first episode that you guys did that actually had a name, which was a review, it was actually your third episode, I believe. It was you and Colin. What do you think your first official review episode was? What game it was? Yep. L Lord of the Rings. It might have been. Yeah, actually, yeah, let's go with Lord of the Rings, actually. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. <laughs> I was like, come on, you can't hold these guys back. That's clearly the first game they're going to talk about. <laughs> I had to put it in there. You did have an episode before where you talked about a couple other games, but uh, that was your first one that was quote-unquote you know, titled Lord of the Rings Review. So, yep, Lord of the Rings Living Card Game. How, who would have guessed it? Now, Mike, how about our first episodes? I actually wrote the first three down. So if you can get any of them, I'll be impressed. I feel like I should know this. Okay, uh, d d Descent. Uh, no, that doesn't make sense. Well, I'm just going to say Descent Second Edition, uh, Aeon's End, and uh, trying to think back to like the, the top episode for that year. Um... Uh, I know I did no, just, uh, Flashpoint. No, no, we did Flashpoint way later. Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. I don't know. Well, you got one of them, right? You got the second one. Aeon's End was our second ever episode. Our first one was Mansions of Madness Second Edition. Oh, okay. And then we did Unlock right after that. Huh. And ironically, one of our non-numbered episodes was right after that, which was the, hey, they updated the Unlock app and it's way better now episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we cover the breaking content here on the one stop co-op shop yeah well our review was outdated like literally two days after we had posted <laughs> it so it was great it was wonderful so uh, i posted an update right after our episode but uh yeah so that's that's it for random trivia today i was gonna go over top episodes and stuff but this one uh i think this was a, a good a good amount of content for us to cover of uh what we've been doing for the last three plus years. I don't know if it was good content, but a good amount of content, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I just like to fill time, baby. <laughs> Speaking of filling time, let's talk about Gen Con Online. <laughs> was that a dig? I felt like that was a dig. I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't have enough of an opinion to dig it. <laughs> So I guess uh, why don't we each start out by saying how we participated or did not in Gen Con Online. Uh, I, I can start off. I kind of forgot it was happening. And, and to be clear, uh, Peter and I, and you too, right, Steve? 
all of us were going to attend Gen Con. Like we'd even like uh, selected our hotel and all this stuff. And then clearly COVID happened and the world shifted and that all had to be dropped. So yeah, I kind of forgot it was happening. Thank, thankfully, the people on our Slack and Discord channels kind of kept me up to date a bit. But I was just doing my regular thing with my family and playing games in my house. So I didn't really uh, participate much. How about you guys? Yeah, it was very similar for me. I had forgotten it was happening too until the day before. And then they're like, all right, Fantasy Flight stream tomorrow. And I'm like, wait, that's tomorrow? Okay, all right, I'll be there. And my kids wanted to go to the pool. So I was at the pool trying to stream from the pool. And uh, so uh, thankfully, the and it's funny because one of my neighbors was there too. And he was trying to talk to me. And he didn't realize I had an earbud in my one ear. And so I'm trying to listen to all the fantasy flight stuff and trying to talk to him at the same time. Thankfully, the stream didn't go very well. Well, thankfully and not thankfully, it kept getting disrupted. So I was like, not sure if it was me with bad internet access or what. But so I did watch that very night, though, the whole stream on YouTube when I got home. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mine, I would have liked to have attended, but being at home, I had obviously other responsibilities like you guys are mentioning. So wasn't as engaged, but I did have fun on our discords, uh, streaming it live and having our discord members jump in and chat about and react to the in-flight report as it is happening. Well, as much as we could while the stream was live. <laughs> so, but I mean, I felt like that went pretty well. It was fun chatting with everyone. And then I've signed up for a Contra demo. So I can talk about that a little bit and just catching up on the other online streams. Uh, normally I wasn't able to attend live, but after the fact I was watching a few of those. Yeah, that's awesome. I know our buddy Jerry, who we've talked about many times on the podcast, did five RPGs during Gen Con Online. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's what he normally does anyway. It's funny, we end up going to these cons with him, and he ends up disappearing. And we're like, where were you for the last 17 hours? He's like, oh, I played three RPGs. All right. Good talk. (laughs) All right. So that being said, uh, we have all done some level of research on some games <laughs> that we were interested in or that uh, the Slack or the Discord has had a conversation about. Just want to jump in our list and kind of, uh, Steve, why don't you start off? I know you and Peter are both fans of this game and I like it too, of course. Yeah, it's it was kind of a weird year because I feel like there were some games that we got almost no information on and some of them we got a decent amount on. So it's going to vary a little bit here. And the first one is one of those that we really don't have a whole lot of information on it. But that is a Journey in Middle Earth. We are getting new content for it. One of them is going to be a digital campaign called The Haunting of Dale. And it's going to be based around the mysterious shade that is stalking the land. And you can aid King Vane in, in ridding this shade or whatever it is from it. So, Steve, have, have you gotten any information on do you need just the base game? Do you need the base game and the first expansion to get that? Like, what would you need to play that? Do you know? Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on, like, what you needed from a tile aspect. And... My understanding is you don't need much of anything for it, I think, because the other announcement related to this is they have what they're calling a, a Dweller in the Darkness figure pack. And this figure pack is the miniatures for that campaign. So I, I don't I assume you can like substitute or just you know do what you need to do to, to have those figures on the board. But if you went to the real deal, you can buy that pack. Yeah, and I can't imagine they would have like exclusive, like you need stuff from the first major expansion that came out recently because that, that's never been their model. Like look at all the other games that kind of use this app-based adventuring, like the Sense Second Edition, Imperial Assault, Mansions of Madness. Those are all like self-contained expansions. You know what I mean? And this seems a little anti-greedy to me if you, because for me, like it seems like they would want you to buy that figure pack. So they'd say, okay, buy the figure pack and you get the code to this campaign. It's interesting that they're charging you twice, one for the figure pack and one for the campaign when, but again, you don't have to get the figure pack, right? So you could just get the campaign. That's interesting to me because in my mind, I would think, you know, even if you want to do a small expansion with a, a campaign attached to it, you just sell the figure pack and it'd have the code. So you just get that when you buy the expansion. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. I feel like it's a little anti-greedy, but at the same time, I feel like I'm going to spend more because I certainly don't want to play with like proxying stuff. I know, Mike, you don't have a problem with that, but I'll probably <laughs> end up paying more overall because I'm going to buy both, right? Well, I mean, they're I, I imagine they're going to have something in the box. Like, you know, remember for... Um... 
didn't you buy the figure pack, Peter, for the yep. original set? Yeah. But like you, you know, you just use the regular enemies as kind of standing in. I guess that's technically proxying, but it wasn't like it was hard to tell who is who in the uh, regular campaign. Sure, and they give you a couple other things, like some items or some upgrades or something like that, along with it. Certainly for me, I bought it for the miniatures, though. Now, I need to say this, because this was, you know, probably one of my main complaints with Journeys of Middle-Earth, that the adventure in the core game didn't feel much like Middle-Earth to me. And this one sounds like even worse, (laughs) along those lines. Like a ghost hunt in Dale? What? Who cares? (laughs) You know, like compared to the... uh, the cycles in Lord of the Rings, the card game, which I think tend to do a pretty good job of doing kind of like an epic, even if it's a side story, it's kind of like its own epic story within the land of Middle Earth. This sounds, at least on the on the face of it, not that exciting at all to me. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much inf- information on this. So I can't really say like what the shade is and, or whatnot, but I know the figure pack itself had appeared to be like a troll and I don't know, like a dark wizard type thing. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on, so, but... We'll see. It did have ghosts on the cover of the the uh, Dwell in Darkness, so I assume you've got that is correct that there are going to be ghosts involved somewhere. But well, if it's got a dark wizard, maybe it's Saruman. Like I don't maybe. know the time frame that it's during, but maybe it's uh, like, Saruman wouldn't be in Dale. He's got no reason to go there. Well, maybe it's <laughs> his like it's maybe it's covering his like ascension or descension into like darkness. So I don't know. That would be cool, right? I don't know. I, I, I am, I have mixed feelings about <laughs> all of the theming they're doing with uh, Journey's Middle Earth so far. Has anybody played the first ex- big box expansion? I didn't even know it was out. So has anybody tried it yet? No, but it has Gandalf. I like that. <laughs> yeah, no, not played it either. Do you though? Like, do you want Gandalf and Bilbo to have like the same power level? Is that where you're at? Oh, I mean, no. Yeah, that's a good point. If, if they just balanced them all to be totally equal and didn't let Gandalf be more powerful. That would be a little weird. <laughs> but if they did make him more powerful, would you want to play it? Because then, like, all right, I'm just going to take Gandalf and walk through this. Well, so. I mean, it. I didn't look at his card, but I would assume what they would have done, and hopefully this is what they did, is he has better stats than everybody else, but he has some kind of negative effect as well. You know, kind of like in the, in the Lord of the Rings LCG, they do it all with threat level generally. So if they had something similar, like more enemies spawned or more bad stuff happened because you have Gandalf in your campaign because he's kind of attracting more attention with his powers. Like, I'd be fine with that. That makes sense. But they didn't. They don't have Gandalf in Lord of the Rings LCG, do they? He's just a card. He's not a hero that you can play. Oh, but he's definitely a hero at this point, man. Me and Colin played with him uh, in our in our semi-completed uh, playthrough. <laughs> he's the hero with the highest threat level. So he's basically the strongest hero in the game. Well, that makes sense. He's a beast. And yeah, you can give him his staff. You can get shadow facts. Like, he just becomes insane if you get all his stuff out. Well, for me, see, it'd be more funny if he was just the way he was in the movies, which is not a main character, even though he is, but somebody who just shows up every once in a while. And that's why I kind of like him as a card that like, hey, I play Gandalf. He shows up, does some cool stuff and then like disappears. Like that's how I think of Gandalf (laughs) in the movies. So that's definitely what he is. But, you know, if you look at him, he had adventures that kind of involved himself. So you could theoretically play those out like where he's the protagonist or whatever. Yeah, no, that makes sense, though. I, I, I See, we're getting some uh, Lord of the Rings LCG information in here now that we got some super fans. And we're getting some <laughs> we're getting some nerd dumb in here is what's happening, <laughs> mainly for me. So uh, let's talk about some Marvel champions. Peter, uh, you're probably maybe the biggest fan of the three of us of that one. What's coming out? Yeah, so the next big thing that everybody, or at least I am most looking forward to, Hulk's coming out next, and he actually probably has already come out by the time this episode dropped or uh, is coming out next week. So Hulk will be coming out soon. And then you've got the thing I think everyone has been looking forward to, which is the first campaign pack for Marvel champions. So the first big story, it's going to be tied together. Nobody knows what it's going to look like. And I think everybody's kind of excited to see what that is going to look like. I think a lot of people are holding out their opinions on Marvel champions based on how this first campaign pack comes out. The thing I'm pretty excited about is they re- they announced the next four releases or five releases post this. Two of them, I don't really care about the characters, to be honest. So they have two sets of characters. First, it's Ant-Man and Wasp. And then it's going to be Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. 
so those two are going to combine together. So they're going to be separate packs, but they're going to have some kind of mechanic that works with each other. It's a team up card. So it's a, it's a uh, gray card per se. You can only have one in a deck. And when you play it, if both those named characters are in play, you get this cool effect. Yeah, which sounds really cool. I mean, mostly I played it as a solo game, so that would certainly make me want to bring people in and play it co-op much more with that. Well, the nice thing is they set it up so that you could play with the ally version of that character and still would work as the team-up card. Not as easily, of course, because you have to have both cards, the other card in play, um, so it's better co-op, of course. But yeah, I I really like this approach. So are they going to make them allies of each other then? Well, I don't know yet. Like, it's not confirmed, but we already have an ally Iron Man, for example, right? Well, sure, but there's no Ant-Man and Wasp allies, and there's no Quicksilver or Scarlet Witch allies, so... Correct, correct. I'm just saying that how this team-up card is worded, it would apply to the allies as well. That's pretty cool. it would be possible that you could play solo and still have the effect. Oh, that was my main uh, question, so I'm, I'm happy they're doing that. That's a good way to kind of work around people who like to play true solo with that one. Yep. But then the next thing that's coming is another campaign pack, right? So it's not going to be very long. You're not going to have to deal with like one-off enemy packs. It doesn't sound like for long. It's going to be quickly into a lot more enemy content uh, right after this first campaign pack comes out. Yeah, Galaxy's Most Wanted. And it's kind of, I feel kind of weird about this because I, I like how much they're telling us about the Galaxy's Most Wanted, but I feel like we know more about this campaign pack than we do about... Rise of Red Skull, which you mentioned earlier. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, but the nice thing is we can like have a better understanding what to expect with Rise of Red Skull now. Well, I mean, the thing I'm most excited about is Rocket and Groot coming out with that oh, for expansion. Sure. So that means the Guardians would... I, I can only imagine that the next couple packs afterward would be more Guardians. I can't imagine that they're going to like hold off on the rest of them. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. It would be my expectation as well. I mean... And they're doing some cool things, too. Like with Groot, they have growth tokens. So you have tokens outside of card form. And you have this resource you have to manage where you can use to help, like, absorb, get damage, for example. Like his splinters are coming off him, which is kind of cool. And Rocket has overkill, so he's trying to do extra damage to trigger abilities, which is really fun. Yeah, it seems like they're going beyond the basics now. It seemed like the first couple stuff that came out was just really trying to play with the core system a lot. And now, I mean, just like with everything, the more experience they get with it, the more they're going to play with it, and the more they're going to get to go outside the box. You just hope they don't ever jump the shark, right? Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's like Sentinels of the Multiverse. They still had great heroes all the way through, but sometimes they went way off the deep end (laughs) with something that was almost impossible to play or not that much fun. Yeah, this is interesting because uh, one of the baddies in that campaign is the Collector. How they've described him, how he works, is every card that leaves play gets added to his quote-unquote collection. So any card that starts in play that leaves play. So events don't count, but like any attachments, for example, or characters. And so you lose the game if that collection gets to to be a certain size. And there's ways of like removing things out of his collection. And I'm sure a lot of his cards are going to remove or add stuff to his collection as well. So I just like with everything, it's going to be better and worse to play with certain heroes. Like Iron yeah. Man, that would suck, right? Because he all he he lives on that equipment. So Black Widow is horrible against him, right? Yep. There were preparations. So yeah. So uh, the more stuff you have in front of you, the worse it's going to be. But that's cool too. I mean, I don't yeah. mind it being different difficulties. So you can't always play your favorite hero, or if you are going to play him, just know that it's going to be more or less challenging. What is intriguing to me is, like, this sounds cool as a standalone, and you can definitely play a standalone, but how they kind of hinted at it's going to work into the campaign is particularly interesting, because it sounds like what is in his collection may have lasting effects through the campaign. My guess, just my guess, that if you're one of your cards in deck gets put in the collection, and you progress through the campaign, maybe that card's not in your deck for the rest of the campaign, which would be really interesting. Or horrible, again, if you're Iron Man. Or horrible. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the other thing that was in- that's cool is since you are in the galaxy, you're, you've got to travel with a spaceship, right? So you've got the, the Milano with you. And you are able to upgrade that some way, they mentioned. So that sounds really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. The one thing I'm not sure about is the Ant-Man and Wasp. They're doing these three-sided cards. And I don't know how I feel about that. And so what, what it is, basically, it's, it's a card that folds in half. And so... One side of it is the uh, alter ego. The other side 
is the uh, is the small form of it, and you open this card up, and it's the giant form. Wait, you're not actually folding cards. These are folding cards, yes. Wait, what? Is it like a huge card, or is it a normal card that you're going to fold up? It's a huge card that's folded in half, so when it's folded in half, it's the size of a normal card. Now, is it actually a card, or just a piece of paper? Well, apparently this has been done with a Transformer game, and so it's it's there's a production system around it. I don't know the details of it. I've not seen it myself. So I'm a little. This is why I'm hesitant a bit, right? I don't know how well it's going to work, but they're saying like, yeah, like yes, it's not going to wear out. It's not going to be a problem. You can still sleeve it, but obviously, when you play with that card, you have to pull it out of the sleeve. So I don't know. We'll see how it works. I mean, gosh, why don't they just do what games have done billion times in the past and just have two cards that you flip over and combine to form the big form? Right. Yeah, I would prefer that personally. Interesting. See, I see, I'm glad you're on here, Steve, because you're way more knowledgeable about all this than I am. Well, there you go, Peter. You already said uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp was not exciting you as much as the other ones, so you can just skip that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, except my daughter loves Ant-Man and Wasp. So, yeah, if I want her to play with me again, I might have to buy them anyway. (laughs) So the other thing that's really interesting for me personally is in Quicksilver or Scarlet Witch, I'm not sure which, but one of the allies they're getting is Warlock. And Warlock is one of the X-Men characters, and he has the keyword X-Factor. Well, I'm pretty sure even uh, even Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch themselves have been part of X teams in the past. Exactly. So I'm I'm hoping that's kind of starting to lay the groundwork that we might see X Men and Champions in the future because I'm a huge X Men fan. I would love that. Oh, well, man. speaking of X Men, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've got uh, another game. We're sort of going through all the Fantasy Flight things because that's the one that we got sort of the most consistent information dump for all of us. Is uh, X Men Insurrection is a new game coming? Sort of based off of the old Elder Sign Yahtzee-ish system, but with an X-Men theme. And I've seen a lot of people not super excited about this because it looks maybe a little too young, a little too kiddy. But for me, at least, I'm excited because I've been recently showing my uh, my kids the old X-Men cartoon show. I'm sure you all watch that, right? I own it. Yes, oh, I yeah, own yeah. it. So, yeah, so they're like kind of getting into the X-Men. They're starting to think Wolverine is cool. You know, that's all great. (laughs) So so I'm interested in this. And something this is all based on what Slack members and Discord members have told me. I didn't do this research myself, but some of them were saying, oh, man, I don't know if this will be good because they're taking out they're making the game easier than Elder Sign. They're making it. So if you don't know Elder Sign, you would like go and try to resolve this card And if you didn't resolve the entire card, you would just kind of like waste your turn and often have some negative effects as well. So they're saying for this one that like the the uh, parts of the card you've resolved with your dice will stay resolved and you won't have to like repeat the entire thing when you go back. Oh, might be easier. But yeah, I was going to say like that. That's the most frustrating part of Elder Side for me, like just wasted actions and wasted turns. So. That is literally the thing I hate about Elder Sign. Yeah. And and the reason I will never play it again is that like wasted turn thing. And I get it that it's a push your luck thing, but it's not really because it tells you the things you have to do anyway. So it's not even pushing your luck. You just have to get it all or you get nothing. So uh, no, I hate that. And in fact, it doesn't even have to make it easier, right? It means they can have more variety in what is in each of those levels. Right, or tougher cards that have more stuff you have to solve and it has to take a couple turns. Absolutely, which means now you have to make more decisions about how you want to spend your actions. Do I want to finish this card or do I want to start a whole new card and let the next person finish it? So, no, I like that way better, in fact. The other thing interesting about this too is it's I feel like it's pretty cooperative in the sense that if you don't fill the whole card, this negative effect will happen, the failure effect. But that doesn't trigger until everyone's gone. So you really have some decisions like if I did really well, maybe I cleared a couple of them and maybe we can change our, how we use spend our resources for that mission. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. No, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean... I'm more excited now Yeah, that you said that. When, and I was going to say, I seem to be like the uh, the booster for these little Fantasy Flight releases that don't do very well. Like Final Hour, I still think is a really fun game, even though it like clearly didn't get a great reception. So maybe I'll be like this cheerleader for X-Men Insurrection as well. Everyone else says it's terrible. <laughs> Although I will say when I saw it announced, the the art, the graphic design just does nothing for me. I mean, I just when I looked at it, I didn't care if it was the coolest game in the world. I was like, I don't even know that I want to play it because I don't want to look at it. So that that was the big <laughs> negative for me on that one. What, what about the little cardboard Blackbird you can put your X-Men in? Come on. <laughs> 
I mean, with as much as my kids play with the uh, the helicopter from the Restoration Games version of Fireball Island, you know, just like putting people in like the little cardboard helicopter and flying them around. I'm sure the Blackbird will get some play in my house. Yeah, but it looks chintzy. I mean, it doesn't even look it doesn't even look like it would be something that people that kids would want to play with. They'd be like, no, I'll move on. I'll, I'll play with <laughs> 50 of your other miniatures games before I play with this little chintzy cardboard thing that is like three pieces that you slide together no thanks yeah good point i'm not sure there's much gameplay value for having it either but that's okay it's yeah well then somebody's gonna complain about not having a blackbird miniature which would have just as little gameplay value exactly (laughs) and make the game you know probably twenty dollars more expensive but i i am excited that there's 16 x-men characters to choose from in that box so that's really nice to have that uh, variability out the gate yeah, no, I didn't look at the list. Like, you know, I've got my favorites, and if they don't have them, I'm going to be upset. Like, they got to have Gambit, <laughs> they got to have Wolverine, you know, like, <laughs> all the best ones. Personal favorite X-Men character. Let's go. Uh, Ooh, that's... I think I go with Professor X. I love the mind control stuff. Nice. I mean, it's cheesy and everybody says it, but it's got to be Wolverine, right? I mean, come on. Everybody wants claws coming out of their hands. Yeah, see, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a Gambit fan over Wolverine, although Wolverine's awesome, too. I like Nightshade, Nightstalker... Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler. I like that guy, too. <laughs> Nightshade. Uh, who knows? That's probably an X-Men at some point as well. <laughs> there have been a lot of them. Yeah, the it's interesting, too, how they're doing this whole team-up aspect where you can choose to partner up with someone and you get a lesser power that they have and you get to share dice, which is cool. And then you also have this bond. So, I mean, if you watch the X-Men cartoon and really the comics, they're always like this internal struggles with them where they're like against each other at one moment and then they're friends next and it's it's very interesting so you've got these bond cards which gives you another power you can share or maybe detrimental effect if you're on the same mission or whatever so i, I like what they're going with this it looks looks interesting yeah that all sounds better than i i thought it might be well i'm gonna reserve judgment on that one but uh i mean i'm much more excited than i was when i saw their chintzy trailer for it so i am uh <laughs> The, the aesthetics don't appeal to me, but I mean, I like everything I've heard from our discussion today. So I'm definitely more excited about it than I was, you know, when we started this podcast. And speaking of reserving judgment, because we have to, because we know nothing, <laughs> Descent 3rd Edition uh, exists. And that's maybe as much as we know. We don't even know if it is co-op or not. Anybody got yep. any more information well, than that? Do we even know that it's Descent 3rd Edition? Because some people don't. said it's called something else like descent was called descent journeys in the dark this was called descent something else it didn't say third edition it didn't say anything else so some people are speculating that it might even be different kind of like runebound and rune wars were different i suspect it is different because there's been rumors that they want to compete against another very popular dungeon crawl that's out there right and so I'm wondering if this is going to be a fairly significant reworking of their system. Well, but that wouldn't be different, right? That would just be, you know, co-op instead of one versus many. I wouldn't I, I so. wouldn't think of that as a whole rework. I would think if it was called Descent and like you're building your own underground village, that would be, you know, a, a totally different thing. I don't think this is where they're going with it. But whereas, you know, if they're just reworking the co-op mechanics or reworking the game to make it co-op. I don't know that it's a total rework to me. That's probably still just a third edition. Yeah, I got to say, I, I know uh, Barrent and Colin will disagree with me since they play so many crawlers, but I'm not that high on crawlers right now. Like, I already have so many, and they're good. And it's like, usually the other, the new ones that come out aren't doing anything that different. You know, especially like with having Gloomhaven too. It's like, I don't know. So it's cool if they're reworking it. I hope it's fully co-op, but yeah, until I see some actual like gameplay mechanics and things that are unique and clever and a uh, new way of doing something, I don't know if I'm going to want to buy it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I just hope it's co-op out of the gate. I, I don't want to have a modified version after the fact make it co-op. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, like I, I like Imperial Assault fine. I like Descent 2nd Edition fine. Let's, let's, let's start there. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, no, I think they might start at Mansions of Madness, or they might start at Journeys of Middle-Earth, right? Like, Which will be that... fine. Like, I think all of those run better than the previous games because they were built from the ground up with that model in mind. Yeah, so, I mean, if you have a Dungeon Lord AI that is completely run from the ground up, built to be that way, 
I think it could be something really cool because nobody's done that before. Yeah, you know, they've done it with the adventure games, but they haven't done it with a full-on dungeon crawler. And so it'd be interesting to see how that the the evolution of that system. All right, so enough fantasy flight. <laughs> we can't spend the entire podcast talking about them. Uh, let's move over to Blacklist Games. Uh, Steve, you had, I think, already mentioned, but you got a chance to play a demo of Contra, which is an upcoming game based on, of course, the classic shoot-em-up uh, NES and Super Nintendo games. Uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, this was this was fun. It was interesting going into it because I will admit that my understand, my knowledge base of Contra is that it's a video game. <laughs> so, You've never played Contra? Like, not even the oh, original? I, I have Contra. not played Contra. I will admit that. Come on, so, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love Contra so much. It's so good. This is a side-scrolling shooter. Uh, yeah, so well, good. Well, side-scrolling and then forward-scrolling when you were in the base, jumping over the lasers <laughs> yes. and things. So, yeah, yes. Contra is great. And then Contra Hardcore on Sega Genesis I used to play. And uh, what was it? Uh, Contra 3, The Alien Wars. That's an amazing one. Yeah, Contra is, Contra is life, man. But sorry, All right. go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no. All right, I stopped at the original. I didn't go. I didn't go that far in. Yeah, it's gonna be kind of weird coming from my stance on this. Just everyone be aware of that, right? So, but um, yeah, it was fun. It was a so it's a one to four player game. In the base box, they're gonna have four commandos, four bosses, and four maps. So it's it's an I don't know. I feel like that's a good amount of content for the price point they're asking. Um, it's a lot. And lower this is than... another like mix and match modular deck uh-huh. system kind of thing. Okay, modular so. deck system. Yes. So did it feel like Street Masters? Did it feel like you know anything we've seen so far? Yeah, actually, I wound up playing Street Masters. Uh, I think that evening after I played the Contra demo, and I'm pleased to say that they felt different. Like nice. different enough. So for sure. In what ways? In Street Masters, you're, I feel like you're a lot of times building up to be like really powerful in the game. And in Contra, that's not true. You are are having waves of power, right? So you might get a cool weapon, you might push yourself a little bit harder, and then you might die. And then you kind of like respawn, right? You kind of start over. But you don't get super powerful. You just have these waves of being strong in the game. That's cool. And I also feel like Contra was more difficult. Now, I only played a portion of the, the demo. I didn't get to play the full game. But I can already tell that it is going to be a little more challenging. I, f- I feel like they cl- they did some other clever things with it. The the cards are interesting in that in the game, you have a free move and a free attack, and then you can play as many cards as you want, which is cool, right? Now, the catch to that is the cards are multi-use in the sense that I can play a card for the effect or I can discard a card as a resource. And the resource in this game is called Advantage and just three different types. And... You can use advantage to turn that result on a dice roll to success. Or you can use advantage to block incoming damage of that type. And you can use advantage to power your ability. So there's a lot of ways to use it. So the interesting thing about this game is each commando only has one health. You take a damage, you lose a life. (laughs) But everyone has three lives. And so... It's kind of interesting with like, who I can play all these cards, do a lot of damage, take a lot of guys, but now I have less resources to block incoming damage. I have that, oh, that one health left, right? And so there's this, this push and flow in the game that I felt was very distinctive in this game versus something like Street Masters. And can you insert another quarter to get three more lives? <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> but it was very cooperative, which is good too. Like uh, your character powers can be used out of turn to help other people. Uh, a lot of the cards do say, hey, choose a player or a character. Or, or, I think Commando's the term to do something. So you can help uh, have other people do other stuff. There's loot crates, pick up cool weapons. The other thing that's interesting is each player has a enemy area, but it's limited to a boss card and two enemy cards. And so unlike Street Masters, where you can have like a ton of bad guys pouring out, because you still draw a bad guy if you're round, but here you're limited. If you draw, if you can't place a bad guy there, you take damage, which is really bad. Well, yeah, when you have when you have one life, you probably shouldn't take damage. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, the other thing is the stage deck. When you draw, when you have to draw a card from the stage deck and you can't, uh, the game ends. So you actually have a timer in this game. Yeah, that's good, and that that's the one thing I'm really curious about when I get to play it. Uh how kind of uh, dynamic it'll feel and how quick it'll be. How long was your demo, Steve? And how many people were you playing with? We were playing with three characters or three players. And it went probably 90 minutes about. 
but we had you know instruction and technical difficulties in there. I I think this is gonna play fast in the Street Masters. I cool. fully anticipate that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If it's fat, because like you know, I have Alter Quest coming. And that's definitely a longer one. I have Hour of Need, but that's kind of like a more zoomed out thing. So if this is like if I can crank out a one or two player game in like forty five minutes, then I might be all in for this. The maps are really good too in here. Like that's one thing I really didn't like about Street Masters, and that at some point you don't really move around the map a whole lot in a lot of cases. And this one, the maps have like the one we played on is rivers and bridges, and you cross a bridge and it blows up behind you. So I'll be about to find a different way across or try to, you know, cross the moving water, for example. And there's another one where there's like a waterfall, for example. You have to climb up the waterfall. It sounds really cool for the maps. I think that was a uh, stage two, wasn't it, Peter? Crawling up the waterfall. Yes. After you blew up the uh, the wall in stage one and went through the base. <laughs> well, and the thing I like about the sound of this, at least anyway, is I like the fact that you're going to die, actually, and everything resets. That's one thing with a lot of these games, and, and you know, especially the modular deck system, and even Marvel Champions. You build and build and build, but never go backwards. You increase in complexity. Something that people like about games like Pandemic and things like that is you kind of have this ebb and flow. So I'm curious about how the gameplay will feel, whether it feels like it's ebbing and flowing and things like that. That is more appealing to me, as well as, as you know, you know, only having a maximum of two enemies in front of you. That's definitely appealing to me as well. So actually, I'm more excited about this one than I thought I would be. Yeah, this was a surprise to me. I wasn't sure what to think of it, but I, I really liked it, actually. It was good. Like, I like building up and feeling really powerful in games, so that is counter to how I like to play. But... From the themes perspective and what Contra video game, as I understand it to be, like this makes sense. It makes sense that you would die and have to like respawn and get more your stuff back, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have the coolest weapon in the game, and then all of a sudden you die. You're like, no, now I got a pistol again or whatever it was. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, this one because coming out uh, first or second quarter of next year. And this is not being kickstarted, right? I think like their deal with the pub, the company Konami or whatever, whatever. They're they're not doing a kickstart. I don't think, right? I uh, that's my understanding as well. This is a pre-order system. Yeah, so I think that's a first for Blacklist, so that's definitely interesting. All right, uh, moving on to another Blacklist. Uh, this one Peter and I have played. It's still early in development, so we just kind of played around with the system, but this is called Dark Alliance. So this is designed by Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson. If uh, you recognize those names, they are the designers of Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa. And this is a riff on that same system. So it's a 1v1 uh, competitive game, but instead of World War II, it's kind of in this uh, horror setting. And in, you know, Blacklist slash Sadler Brothers typical format, they have different factions you can kind of uh, trade in, different leaders you can trade in. So even though it's kind of the Undaunted Normandy system, it's uh, with a Sadler Brothers-ish flair. But that's all kind of beside the point in terms of the co-op discussion. Uh, what Peter and I got to play was a very early build of the solo and co-op variant mode, which plays quite differently. It uses like a lot of the same components of the uh, competitive game, but plays quite differently from uh, the main game and from Undaunted Normandy and kind of that system. What did you think of it, Peter? I mean, I know we like, played super early, so it's kind of uh, <laughs> hard to say, but what were your like initial thoughts? Well, you know me. I like things that simple that are pretty simple to get to the table. And I think they did a really good job of combining your faction with your leader. Because sometimes when you do that, it's like, okay, you have faction abilities and there's a bunch of stuff there and you have leader abilities and there's a bunch of stuff to here. But really in this build that we played, it was just you're adding cards to your deck. It was more of a deck builder type system. And I liked that you had limited options in each of those and none of them while they felt unique and I'm sure it'd be cool to have different combinations, none of them took away from the other part of it and or overshadowed it. It's not like, oh, this plays like this faction and it's going to always play like this faction or this plays like this hero and it's always going to play like this hero. It's It felt like you're combining a faction with the hero and now I have cool different stuff I can do because I have both of them, but neither of them felt either overpowered and or neither of them overcomplicated the system too much. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one too. Uh, again, I won't say much more than that. I agree with everything you said, Peter. And I will point out that for those interested, there's a Facebook group of like Dark Alliance uh, playtesters. So they do have a tabletop simulator mod that's not public, but if you join this playtest group, you can uh, try it out and give them your feedback. So yeah, 
uh, Dark Alliance coming at some point. I have no idea, but they're definitely working on it right now, and they were uh, they're doing some uh, playtesting of it. So that's a, another one from Blacklist. Yeah, I really like the Undaunted system, so I'm excited to hear that they're going to do a solo and co-op version for that, because I know that's been heavily requested. Hey, speaking of, I am currently, uh, I think I'm about done my Undaunted uh, Normandy solo variant. <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time the last uh, week or so on it. And nice. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a video on the YouTube channel with that. I'm actually working, uh, well, not working with, I don't want to say that. It's definitely not anything official. But I'm going to show it to David Thompson and uh, get kind of his feedback on it. So hopefully it'll be a good thing. I mean, there's already several uh, solo mods out there. So I'm just kind of joining the group. But I, <laughs> I definitely like how it's been playing. I've been enjoying myself quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't played the base system, but I really like, and I mean, Mike and I have talked about this a lot lately. I'm not a huge fan of war games for whatever reason. Like I don't like real war. You put fantasy spin on it. I'm fine with it. But for whatever reason, I'm not a huge fan of like the the realistic war simulation games. And so I like that they put this in a horror universe. And so, cause I love werewolves, vampires, all that stuff. So I'm super excited to play it for that reason as well. Yeah. Another horror themed game that was announced recently was a uh, massive darkness too. And I, it's not really horror ish, but I mean, you're fighting in bowels of hell, right? So I guess that counts, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, this, I've not actually looked into it much, but Jason uh, way, I think on our Slack he kind of, uh, he played it. They do have a demo on TTS. Good for Simon. That's the fir- one of the first times, maybe they've done it before and I haven't noticed, but that's one of the first times I know of where they have a demo of a game that's currently on Kickstarter. So yeah, Jason played it. Uh, those who follow uh, our channel in general might remember that Colin was not very impressed with Massive Darkness, the original. He played it, but he got rid of it pretty much as soon as he could because he thought it was very flawed in a lot of ways. So Jason says that... Uh, first of all, in the old one, they had minions acting as health, which seemed like just kind of a way to bloat the number of miniatures. And, uh, you know, Simon, <laughs> that makes sense. But now they're actually making the extra minions mean something and like provide different powers or more dice. So it's not just like a totally kind of useless health tracker. Uh, they said that instead of like kind of the set player sheets for progression for your character, you get skill cards and they're giving like a unique mechanic for each character. Now, you know, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it, because usually Simon wants to do 85,000 characters and they start just kind of all blending together and don't feel very unique at all. But if they actually do that, that's super cool. And they're st- they still have like the shadow effect where you can be in shadows or not. And like a lot of effects can kind of trigger on that. And it sounds like besides that, a lot of it is maybe streamlining, which I guess can be good because originally it was supposed to be a, you know, light kind of fun, quick dungeon crawler. And from the play sessions I read, it was like three hours to play the thing, <laughs> which is not at all what they were going for. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's something. It, I, I don't I don't generally uh, back Simon Kickstarters, but I'll certainly check it out when it's uh, released, if the reviews are good. I really like the light and dark mechanic they're going with for this game. And so it's kind of interesting seeing what they did with the second one, because I... The whole using minions or miniatures as health really annoyed me in the first one. So it sounds like they're taking steps in the right direction. I I don't know if this is the right steps for me to get interested in back this one or not, but at at least they're making improvements to it. And I guess they've done this before, right? Uh, Did they, that that MOBA game, like the pirate one, didn't they have a second edition of that that was supposed to be way better and much improved? Yeah, they did. So hopefully the same thing happens here. Yeah, no, I played the second edition. I never played the first edition of the MOBA. And yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I had some balance issues with it, but I don't know what the first one was like, but I have no problem with designers going back and, and fixing perceived problems with their original design. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would prefer them to make the original design not like kind of openly bad for the majority of players in the first place, <laughs> but I, I get that that's tough. <laughs> You're a company like CMON, you got your Kickstarter timeline, you're just going to keep on pushing. Another one announced, this one I'm super excited about, although honestly, Steve, you did more research, so you can kind of talk about the details. I have become a huge Chip Theory Games fan in a recent, you know, like the last year or so, because I didn't love Too Many Bones at first, but now I'm a big fan of that. I love Cloudspire, really like Hoplomachus. 
So they they have a new system. You know, they've been kind of focusing on those three big systems. Cloudspire has been out for, I guess, a, a year or more now. So they have a new one called Burn Cycle. Steve, you want to walk us through some of the stuff you found out? Yeah, this one is singing my my song right now. So I'm a I don't make it a secret that I love stealth games, and this one is a robot infiltration game. So I'm like, yes, please, here's my money. So this is one that I'm I'm very interested in as well. Yeah, one to four players. The whole premise is you are playing as robots, and apparently the human race is horrible, right? <laughs> and so uh, most of the humans died out. And robots, you know, took over the world and they kind of improved everything. And they're like, you know what? Let's bring the humans back. So the humans start coming back. And lo and behold, humans are being jerks to everyone. And they want to, like, enslave the robots again. So now the robots are acting as, like, secret resistance movement, right? And so they're infiltrating these corporations, trying to take down the, the CEO and, and free the robots again. That's the whole, like, theme and premise. So it's kind of a cool, like, premise, in my opinion. But this Neo Free Mat is set up so that it's all like an office space area. And you put a smaller Neo Free Mats on top of it to act like all the rooms. And the dead space between the rooms is access the hallway. So that's kind of a cool little concept. But it's all about trying to move between, uh, try to get into the floor, uh, do the, whatever the objective is, and get out of the floor and then go to the next floor. It reminds me a lot in that sense as Broker Brothers. And at the highest floor or the top level of this corporate building is where you find the CEO. And that's like the big boss. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I uh, for me, it's less Burgle Brothers and more Shadowrun with kind of like sure. a cyberpunk-ish feel. And like when you would raid corporations and go floor to floor. I remember that in the old uh, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo video games. Sorry. <laughs> it's always about the video games with Mike. Come on, man. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all in for this. I'm I'm all in for basically anything they make until they uh, until they hurt me and do me wrong. <laughs> I I thought it was cool too that they're doing kind of a dual battle area approach because you're playing as robots, so you are a robot in a physical world, and you can also plug into the network and fight in a virtual world. And so I how I've understand it is the CEO is who you battle in the virtual world, and the security detail that patrols the area and there's there's actually patrols with like some guys have a set path and they come back to the beginning other guys make an intersection they'll have a random movement and so that's where you fight them in the physical space and so some robots may be really good in the physical space some of those might be good in the virtual space and you have to balance that out and this basically so a lot of shared actions between them so that sounds really interesting and then like we've mentioned before with these modular deck system i get the impression that this is a similar structure where i can take like a corporation that's head of a ceo and mix it with one of these many security details and also mix it with our own team of robots and this can all be played as one-offs or in a big campaign i mean it sounds like the matrix to me yeah i mean well it's it's really Shadowrun. i mean if, if you can plug in to like di- disable the defenses that's like straight up <laughs> Shadowrun. but i i love that you know g- give me more of that and Something I want to point out that I imagine will be in this one. So I'll know how many of you uh, listening checked out the Ankara's uh, Plunder Kickstarter for Cloudspire, which was uh, the expansion one. I did a little bit of coverage for that. But they uh, they announced that, at least for Cloudspire, not for uh, too many bones that I'm aware of yet, but they like offered this uh, upgrade pack with the uh, the expansion Kickstarter. And the reason is they've uh, hired some new people and they are like redoing their rule books, redoing their uh, kind of graphic design and their, you know, Steve, this is your thing, their user experience. And it looks so much better, so much cleaner. Because as much as I love chip theory games, their rule books were not always the easiest, not always the best organized, not always the clearest. They always had lots of, uh, you know, things they had to kind of clarify and look up online. So if this game is from the ground up being kind of uh, done with this new graphic design team, these new rulebook writers, I'm really excited for just better clarity, let alone for the cool mechanics and the cool, uh, you know, neoprene and all that kind of stuff. Well, in all honesty, you know me, that has been my biggest downside of chip theory games like getting through their rules and then not only the rules themselves but then like each faction has its own like flashcard basically and there are more rules on that that aren't explained in the main rule book so you have to constantly like reference this thing whether it's too many bones you've got that or chip theory or a cloudspire as well where you've got your own faction sheet and so it's a lot of referencing not only the rules but the faction sheets as well and i just like my stuff in one place now i'm not saying that they're going to go away from what they've done but yeah any clarity on the rules would be way better for me 
Peter may be giving away a little bit of our review of Too Many Bones coming in a week or two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this one, I've been told, like, from a depth-wise, it's kind of between Hoplo and Too Many Bones is how they've been describing it. So, Uh, so like, less complicated than Too Many Bones, but more complicated than Hoplo? Exactly. Yeah, that, that that's a good. I mean, that's a good place, especially for you, Peter. That sounds like kind of that's, your wheelhouse. Yeah, that's exactly my wheelhouse. I love Toplo, and I like a lot about Too Many Bones, but I'm not going to give away any more about my review. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to hear that combat is a last resort in this game. So, like, yes. Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, if 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 it's a well done stealth game, especially after uh, what was the last stealth game you played, uh, Steve? It was uh, probably uh, Reichbusters. Yeah, and Reichbusters clearly needed like errata and uh you know house rules and things to really make it be its best so hopefully this one will be that that slam dunk like maybe the next best stealth game since uh v commandos or whatever uh, you think is the best yeah uh i'm going to do a top 10 in the future here i think because i think there's enough games where we can talk 10 stealth games in the future so i, I won't say more what my top is until i do that, <laughs> that list, so look at us spoiling or not spoiling like teasing here yeah, and teasing, well, I guess we're hearing more about Burn Cycle in November this year, because that's when the Kickstarter launches. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to assume anything, but uh, hopefully I can do some coverage of it. Chip Theory Games, I am available. <laughs> 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 and uh, hey, speaking of Kickstarter coverage, uh, there's another game that was doing demos at Gen Con online, and Steve and I have both played it. Steve's going to be doing some videos for the Kickstarter, Steve, do you want to talk about a Deck of Wonders? Yeah, Deck of Wonders is a solo game where you are going to be customizing a deck of cards and battling a boss, trying to knock the boss from 20 life down to zero before you lose 20 life down to zero. And it has a lot of feeling of, I don't Magic the Gather when I play it, but for solo. And it's the interesting thing about it is the cards in the game are all double-sided. So like one side of the card is when I play it, it does something. And the same deck of cards is used for the bad guy, the boss. And so you flip over the top card, but you flip the card around 180, and that's what the bad guy does. So if I put, like, a really powerful card in my deck, if I draw it, cool, it's a really powerful effect for me, but if the bad guy gets it, then I'm kind of screwed, right? Yeah, and it's also got, like, this legacy element where uh, whether you win or lose, as you battle the uh, bosses, you'll unlock more stuff. And they have kind of, like, advanced modes to try. Yeah, I don't know about you, Steve, but I loved this. Like, as a former Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone and all those kind of thing uh, player, just this was such a nice solo experience, super fast playing. And we think, we're not 100% sure, but we think the designer is going to try to get some co-op in there. So it's definitely going to be solo, but hopefully there will be a co-op kind of variant as well. Yeah, I'm super excited for this game as well. I'm, I'm all in on this one. I mean, I like Magic the Gathering. Yes, yeah, so that's Deck of Wonders. Is that is that starting on Kickstarter at the end of this month, Steve? Or is it beginning of End of this month? month. End of this yep. month, yeah. And another Kickstarter. To start, now, these aren't... I forget if this one was demoing at Gen Con, but it's definitely one we're covering. Uh, Uprising, Curse of the Last Emperor is one that I've been super excited about if you've seen me talking about it on Facebook or uh, Slack or Discord. This is a fantasy cooperative 4X game. Now, it's not uh, as much focused on the empire building. It's definitely more kind of the extermination and exploration and, like, building up your characters. But, yeah, this is a really cool, fairly streamlined, but super, like, thematic and varied. Uh, I-, I don't know. I'm-, I'm really jazzed about this game. And, I mean, you'll see my review in, uh, I don't know, whenever it launches in a week and a half or so. But I am definitely all in for Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor. Now, Peter, you got to play a little bit of a game. We were having a lot of technical issues uh, with the mod on Tabletop Simulator, but what did you think of it from the little bit you played? I mean, I enjoyed it. I definitely think there are chances to get yourself all messed up if you don't really understand what's going on. I know I certainly did in my first play. Now, I was being very aggressive just to see the combat because I knew we weren't going to play a full game, but I could certainly see people getting frustrated with that. So I know you're super positive and I enjoyed what I played, but I do think there's a little cautionary tale there where it might take a couple learning games before you can really deep dive the strategy of the game. Because I feel like there's a, a, a lot going on, but I mean, it's not too complicated, but it is a 4X type game. So it's not just 
straightforward, do this, do this. The thing I loved about it, though, is the micro actions. I love when you're taking micro actions in a game. You basically get a move and one action on your turn, and then it moves to the next player's turn. And I like it when games do that, and it makes it feel like the game moves along at a very rapid pace. Yeah, and Peter, you're kind of giving away part of my review, because trust me, one of my uh, concerns about the game is that you're going to have to learn it a few times, and that you'll probably get your butt kicked the first time you play. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm totally with you on that one. All right, so lots of cool things coming up, lots of stuff we're excited about, and I'm sure there's, you know, 50 other cooperative games that uh, (laughs) are releasing that we missed. The only other big one that I think that we haven't talked about yet is Marvel United. Have you gotten your Kickstarter pledge yet, uh, Steve? No, it's coming uh, at the end of this month or early September, so we'll see. But uh, I did watch the streams because they were showing... Uh, more streams of how the game's played. Uh, I know Eric Lang was involved in it too, the, both designers. And uh, they showed the uh, Spider-Verse and Asgard as well. Expansions. Okay. Well, and I know the base game got pre-released at Walmart. I think it was a mistake, similar to other things that have been, you know, games that released before the launch date. But I, I think yes. that's where Tom Vassell got his copy and he reviewed it. So it, it, it's interesting. So, I mean, it's coming soon, right? I mean, it's not just going to be for the Kickstarter people, but everybody's going to have a chance to get this game soon. And you and I played that one in the past. So what are your initial impressions of it? Just to confirm, I think folks out in Asia who are close to production already have the copies. I think we're kind of waiting for the slow boat to get here for the States before we get it. But uh, to answer your question specifically on, on, on thoughts of it, I'm I'm hesitant on saying too much because the what I played of it was a hacked up version of it and there was a lot of assumptions involved in it. But I I feel like this one is greater than the sum of its parts. Meaning that like this element looks really simple. This element also really looks simple. This element looks really simple. But like if you put them all together, it's gonna it's gonna add up quite a bit. And I sat down and did the math one day to try to figure out like if I ratchet this up to the highest difficulty level, how does that affect the game? And with my rough math, it winds up being that you almost have to play a perfect game to make it work to, to achieve these, these goals. So seeing the stuff they're adding, the more complex situations where like you have journalists and you have to hide your secret identity or, or where the actual missions you have to complete are much more challenging. I, I am optimistic that this is going to be a really good game. I'm really excited for this one. Well, and I think it's going to be you who covers it for us because I know you went all in on the Kickstarter to be honest, I was all in too, but then they did the Simon thing where they kept adding and adding and adding, and it ended up being mm-hmm. like 200 plus bucks or whatever for all in. And it's like, well, that's what I want. I don't want just a little bit. But then when I heard Vassal talk about it, he said he bought the game for 30 bucks at Walmart for just the yep. core game. And I'm like, okay, what I played of it for 30 bucks, I think that's a steal. Like, it's a great family weight game. I don't think it's going to be overly complicated. I think it's going to be you know, very much in that family weight niche. And I'm glad it has that family price as well. You know, that's the thing. When you see these all-in things, I don't know. Like, do I need 50 expansions to start with? Well, I'm only going to be able to get it now. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. that, that's, a, that's a whole other Kickstarter discussion and one we've certainly had in the past. But I hate having to buy in for so much money at the beginning or feel like I'm going to miss out on this stuff and never be able to get it again. So yeah, I I hear you. I mean, if this sells well, there's been hints that they're going to keep producing it. So I don't know what selling well means for them for a metric, but um, judging by how the first Kickstarter did, I think the signs are pretty good. One, I think if you've got it in Walmart for 30 bucks, you're probably going to sell pretty well. I mean, yeah, I mean, those print runs are 10, 20,000 just for Walmart. Like that's their initial orders for stuff. So, I mean, it's going to sell well. I think, I think we've already jumped that hurdle. I hope so. Yeah. It's, we'll see. It's, it's definitely like the pandemic level of depth, right? So if you're looking for like a pandemic type game with Marvel, this is probably, probably the one to go towards. So. All right, so we've uh, covered a bunch of stuff, kind of Gen Con online-ish, but also just cool co-op games coming up in the future. And yeah, thanks everyone listening, whether this is your first episode or you've been with us for all 150. We appreciate you being on this little solo and co-op journey with us. And we look forward to 150 more episodes and beyond. 
I mean, it's crazy. We haven't missed a week. I, I know a lot of podcasts take breaks or whatever. We have not done that since we've started this full-time every week schedule. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to keep this up. Like, kudos on you guys. Yeah, I'm surprised where we've been keeping going for as long as we have. It's uh, it's not easy sometimes, but uh, somehow we make it work. So, And I mean, especially now in the pandemic, right? With nothing new being released. I think we're finally through to at least a point where we're getting some new releases. So that'll be good. And uh, so a lot of new stuff for you guys coming forward. But uh, thanks for bearing with us through, you know, some of the slower times too. So everyone, we'll see you at the next stop. And yeah, have a great week, weekend, whatever you have ahead of you. Be safe out there. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another top five list. Hey guys. What's up? I was having a virtual con last weekend, but it wasn't Gen Con. What was it? Peter Con? Kid Con. (laughs) I haven't left that convention. Yeah, I was about to say, four-year-old beating me in the head con is a daily affair. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get a refund?